I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer Broadway blow. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Gus Soups with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you, as even though the college basketball season, in terms of games, That is all done until November. We still have a podcast every single day coming up for you because bets that are won during the season, they are done through preparation. They are done through taking a look at this throughout, obviously. We miss a few days throughout the offseason. Do not fret there. I've always got you guys covered here, but I will be continuing this podcast every single day. I'm going to be going without a guest today because I had to record this while the national title game was wrapping up. So a big congratulations to UConn on their national championship. That is very nice to wrap up the college basketball season like that. But that said, we're going to take a look at everything that we saw in college basketball Monday as we got a lot of players in the transfer portal. And in the final segment, I'm going to turn it forward, talk about features, a big reason why I really don't advise a lot of features this time of year. And if you are going to dive into some features, you know what? Maybe some places that you do want to be looking. Don't look at a lot of the shorter shots. A lot of the teams towards the top of the odds board probably not going to yield a lot of value. So I'm going to be diving into that in segment number two. We're just going to keep it to two segments today. A little bit of a shorter one. And just all throughout the college basketball season, probably going to have a lot of like 25, 30 minute podcasts, things of this nature. And then once we dive into our college basketball conference previews, which I'm going to be doing once again this offseason, going to do a specialized podcast for all 32 of these teams, going to be doing the offseason VSIN guide where I go through all these college basketball teams, try to identify all these rosters, strengths, weaknesses, what have you. That is all going to be coming up on this offseason. And certainly I'm sure that we are going to be having a lot of questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you for this podcast throughout the offseason. So you're able to fire them in one of two ways. Even if you don't have them right away, if you have them a month from now, a week from now, what have you, you are always welcome to fire them in one of two ways. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, let us see them. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an app podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. So let's take a look back at what we all saw in college basketball on Monday. We did see a couple of coaching hirings recently as we did see a couple guys promoted from within. Chris Mudge, who 
He is going to be taking over at Sam Houston State. He was promoted from within along with Russ Hoge. He was the assistant over at North Texas with Graham McCaslin taking the job at Texas Tech. He has been elevated from within. He is going to be their new head coach. So we saw a pair of those going down. And Jim Shaw, I don't think I reported upon this. He has been reported from within over at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So we're seeing quite a few programs decide that they are going to be able to keep things from within. And I do think that this is very important in this day and age because what we noticed with a lot of the teams that made a deep run in the NCAA tournament, Kansas State, because they had a first-year coach in Jerome Tang, they were a bit of an exception. But a lot of these teams, they had guys that were in the program for multiple years. Some of these guys, they were able to get via the transfer portal, but the guys that they got in the transfer portal, they were sticking around for year number two, year number three, like a Matt Bradley who came over from Cal for San Diego State a few seasons ago. We noticed that even with a school like Florida Atlantic, Vladislav Golden, he came over from Texas Tech. It was year number two in the program for him, so that is something very much to take a look at. We did see some spicy hot names that entered into the transfer portal as well. Max Asmus, who it feels like is now the Van Wilder of college basketball, and I didn't know he had eligibility left. I'm going to be completely honest with you because this guy's been in college basketball for quite a while. It feels like he's on year number like 500, but but with that said, he's got another year of eligibility, and he's now in the transfer portal after last year at Oral Roberts. He had 21.9 points, four assists, was able to shoot 37.5% for three, 92% at the free throw line. So he's out there in the transfer portal. This is a big one as well. LJ Cryer, he has decided that he is going to be transferring away from Baylor. As we saw a lot of guys enter in the transfer portal on Monday. Cryer, 15 points per game. He was a little bit limited due to injury, but shot 41.5% from three. And just from my vantage point on Baylor, it really felt like the team came and went with his offense. You go back to that game that they had that big lead against Kansas and then they lose by double figures. When LJ Cryer was on in that game, that's how they were able to get that lead. And as he faded away, the team faded away. So I do think that that's very important to take a look at. Malik Dia, he was over at Vanderbilt this last year. He was averaging two and a half points per game. He's staying within the city of Nashville. He has decided that he is going to be going to Belmont. A good gift for them. Someone who's 6'9", 240. Should be able to help out that defense a little bit. Ivan Oriogo, he was playing over at Grand Canyon this last year. He is entering into the transfer portal. Someone that began his career in Nebraska was able to give Grand Canyon right around six rebounds per game. So he's a spicy name as he played on the FIBA under-19 France team a few seasons ago. So he's got a little bit of international experience. I'm going to be very curious to see what happens there. I'm not going to name off every name because there are some of these guys like uh, Matty Traore, who was at New Mexico State, really didn't see a lot of playing time. These are some of the guys I will be skipping over for right now until we really run out of news and notes in college basketball. But I think that this one is pretty significant. Deshaun Nelson, he was able to average 10 points, 5 boards, 1.7 assists per game at DePaul this last season. 6'8 combo player that's able to bury some threes. He is now out there in the transfer portal, and this is someone I think could be a really good get. Lose his starting spot when you did see Nick Ongenda come back into the fold, but you take a look from January 1st on in the final 18 games of the season, he had some good numbers. He was able to put up a little bit over 11 points, shot 36.5% from three-point range. He's someone that I think could be able to provide quite a bit of value. We saw Christian Coruscant just not necessarily work out at Chattanooga. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. This is someone that a few seasons ago, while he was playing over at Houston Christian, 
was able to put up some very nice numbers. IQ should Christian right around nine and a half points per game. Shot about 32% from three. Was able to chip in there two assists per contest at Chattanooga. About six points per contest. Actually began his career at Nevada. So we shall see where he's going to be going. Jalen Hill who was at, over at Oklahoma. Nine and a half points. Five and a half boards per contest. He's now in the transfer portal as well as Kiba Njai was one of the main big men for Penn State. A Penn State team that they really didn't utilize much of their big men as a freshman. He was able to give the team right around three and a half, four rebounds per game. He's got a nice six foot ten frame. I'm sure that he's looking for a little bit more usage moving forward. Nigel Burris, he got plenty of usage as a Big Sky Rookie of the Year player. He was given that nomination. Nine points, five boards per contest. Shot 45% from three-point range as a six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player. I'm sure that there is going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in on him. We're already starting to see a lot of players decide where they are going to be going like we saw Desmond Watson who is playing over at Davidson this last year. He is going to be adding within the conference to Loyola Chicago. This last year he was able to give the team nine and a half points. Four boards, three point shooting was way off. 27.5% three point shooter but it will be a relatively nice 6 foot 5 do it all sort of guard a lot of different position sort of players so I'm very curious to see what happens there we're noticing with a lot of coaching moves that there are a lot of exoduses when it comes to the schools that do lose a coach like Ryan Odom for instance he was coaching over at Utah State he is no longer in the fold for them as I believe that he ended up taking that VCU job and now for Ryan Odom and Utah State Bunch well you got a lot of guys that decided, you know what, we are going to be looking elsewhere. Max Shoga entered into the transfer portal after he last season was able to give the team 12 points, 4 assists, 4.5 boards, shot 36.5% for 3. Sean Bearsow, 10.5 points, 5 boards, 2.5 assists, shot 38.5% for 3. They both entered into the transfer portal along with someone like uh, Simon Zapata. We really didn't see a lot of playing time, so we are seeing lots of mixing and shaking there. RJ Melendez has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. He was playing out in Illinois this last year. Six points, three and a half boards. Someone that has a little bit of versatility in the way that he's able to shoot threes at six foot seven. A former top 100 recruit. Just could never really find his footing at Illinois. So we're going to see where he ends up in terms of guys that they decided where they were going to be going on Monday. Josiah Harris. He was playing this last year at St. Francis of Brooklyn, and they completely disbanded their basketball team. You no longer have to worry about handicapping St. Francis of New York because they just cut all sports. Very, very sad situation, but he was a baller over there at St. Francis. Started every game for them this last year. 9.2 points, 8.8 boards, 1.3 blocks per contest. Pop some threes, didn't necessarily pop them well, but he's going to be heading over to Radford. You feel very good for that kid. Moses Wood is going to be staying in the Pacific Northwest. Was playing at Portland this last year and had some good numbers while he was over at Portland. 15.5 points, 6.5 boards. As a six foot eight combo player, shot 40% from three. Exactly what Washington needs. Huskies are going to be picking him up. That is very good for them. And also in terms of the Portland Pilots as well, they did lose Alden Applewhite to the transfer portal as well. Due to injuries, he was able to get a few more minutes than he probably bargained for this last year. Was able to register about seven and a half points per contest. Doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but he's an okay sort of a Swiss Army knife guy that shot about 31% from three point range. CJ Noland, he decided that he is going to be going from Oklahoma and he is heading over to St. Louis, a former top 100 recruit for the class of 2021 as rated by ESPN. Just 
was able to see okay minutes last two years, 14 and a half minutes per game this last year, but really saw a dip in his three-point shooting at six foot two as a freshman. Shot 43 and a half percent from three as a freshman, 23 and a half percent in this last season. Not really a guy that doles out the ball very well. So we're gonna see how he's able to fit in at St. Louis. But with them in all likelihood, probably going to be staring at a situation where they're gonna need to see what happens with Yuri Collins, who led all of college basketball in terms of assists per game, being able to get some insurance. That is very, very big for them. Jamar Young, he spent last year at Memphis and just was unable to get out there on the floor for Memphis. He was a little bit of a late transfer, began his career at SMU, and only average right around two points per game at SMU. Should see a lot more minutes at Texas Southern. Someone who is relatively good with regards to his size, 6'9", 215. Texas Southern, always a team that's looking to pound the glass. I do think that this is going to be a good fit for all involved. He's going to be able to get more minutes, and he's actually going to be able to put himself out there, so that is big. In terms of guys that entered in the transfer portal, we saw Will Baker, who was the seven-footer over at Nevada. That was able to do a very good job of popping threes. A little bit over 13 points, five boards, made about 35.5% of his threes last season. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal and saw a lot of guys from the West Coast decide that they are going to be entering into the portal as Jordan Ivy Curry. After last season, he was playing over at Pacific. Season before, he was at UT San Antonio. Meet me for the Roadrunners. He is back in the portal. Two seasons ago, UTSA, 14 points, 2.5 assists per contest. Shot about 34% from three this last year. Shot 34% from three, 10.5 points per game. So... Clearly a relatively solid score, but just has not been able to find necessarily that great fit for him. Deion Stroud, he was playing a few seasons ago at Fresno State. I know that he began his career at UTEP and really just couldn't find it at Eastern Washington. During the 2020-21 season, he was one of Fresno State's top scorers. 12.5 points, steal per contest, shot 35.5% from three. This last year at Eastern Washington. Five points per game on 25% three-point shooting. He is back in the transfer portal, so we shall see what happens there as Elias King. He was playing at Middle Tennessee this last year. He's out there in the portal, and he was a big part of a team that it was a good old hole is greater than the sum of its parts sort of approach. Nine and a half points, four boards. Actually began his career at Mississippi State. Just didn't see a lot of minutes there, and he did become about a 40% three-point shooter this last year as a six-foot-eight little bit of a combo player. So I do think that there's going to be some intrigue there. I was mentioning how Texas Southern was able to get a nice little ad with Jameer Young coming over from Memphis. They did lose a guy, P.J. Henry, who was one of their top scorers from a team that once again made the NCAA tournament. They lost 20-plus games. They made the NCAA tournament. He had 12.5 points, shot 34.5% from three-point range. Actually began his career at Hartford when he was able to make the NCAA tournament as well. And I do think that there should be some intrigue for him because you take a look at the way that Henry was able to end the year. Last 10 games of the campaign, he had some monster numbers with 18 points, 2 assists, 1.3 seals, shot 38% from three-point range. So, going to be interesting to see if there's any takers on P.J. Henry. We saw Robbie Carmody, who just was really unable to see a lot of playing time over at Notre Dame. He has decided that he is going to be moving over to Mercer for Carmody, a former top 100 recruit that played a grand total of 22 games since the beginning of the 2018-19 season. Has been off and on with regards to his playing career. You wish him absolutely nothing but the best, but... Very interesting to see what happens there. We've seen quite a few defections from Rhode Island as Archie Miller has yet to be able to get things online. It was a rough first season, and Jalen Carey, who has been passed around like a basket of breadsticks, he has entered in the transfer portal. And his best year at the college level, 10 points, 5 boards, 
Never has lived up to his top 100 billing from coming out of high school. Shot just 20% from three-point range, but he is back out there in the transfer portal. Simis Lucatius, I think that this is a very intriguing guy in the portal. He stuck with everything with the coaching change of Thad Mata over at Butler. Kid with a lot of upside, 6'6". Six six. Was a starter last year with 11.5 points, four boards, three assists, CO per game, shot 38% from three-point range. Not necessarily the most assertive guy in the world, but has a very nice skill set. He is out there in the transfer portal, so very intrigued to see what happens there. Ebenezer Duana, he was playing at NC State this last year. He's heading over to Georgia Tech, and it's a very interesting day for Georgia Tech as well as they pick him up, but they lose Rodney Howard. Howard was... A little bit more of an afterthought down low for this team as Duana last year, only about two rebounds per game over at NC State. Season before, he was really able to do a nice job down low. Four points, four boards, but the big key was 1.7 blocks per game, and the guy that they lose in Rodney Howard just was unable to really develop. He began his career at Georgia this last year, played 24 games as a part-time starter, four and a half points, four and a half rebounds. You were just expecting him to be able to do a little bit more there, so he is in the transfer portal, Justin Harmon. He was able to supply about 13.5 points per contest this last year at Utah Valley, as we know. With Utah Valley, they did lose their coach and Mark Madsen, and he has decided that he is going to be looking elsewhere. Would not be surprised if he perhaps entertains following his coach over to Cal as he this last year shot right around 34% from three-point range, four boards, three assists per contest. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens there. Stephen Clark, he is going to become the second player in two years ahead from the Citadel to South Carolina. It feels like South Carolina just absolutely loves these undersized guys from the Citadel that are going to get mauled in the SEC, but with Stephen Clark was a good year for him this last year at the Citadel. I'm not sure how he's going to fare at the SEC level, but for Mr. Stephen Clark, at right around six foot eight, he's not quite as undersized as Aiden Brown, who came in from the Citadel a season ago. He was able to supply 16.5 points, 6.5 boards, 1.8 blocks per contest, able to pop threes, doesn't necessarily shoot him well from three-point range. Noah Thomason, he was the top scorer this last year over at Niagara. He was very, very solid for a Niagara team that was in the bottom 20. In terms of total possessions per game with 19.5 points, 3.5 boards, 3.5 assists per contest while shooting 38.5% from three. One of the highest usage guys in all of college basketball. He's in the transfer portal. Abdul Usman, he missed the last few games of the NIT for North Texas, averaging 11 points, 6 boards, 1.3 blocks per contest. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Shahada Wells, he came over from UT Arlington, played for a few seasons with the TCU system. He's on the transfer portal. Had some moments of brilliance. Was a little bit of an afterthought for TCU with right around 6 points per contest. Shot only about 26% for 3 in his two years at TCU after being about a 39.5% 3 point shooter at UT Arlington. We're going to see where he ends up. And then Gerald Drumgoulet, he was playing this last season over at Albany. He was their top scorer. He has decided that he is going to be heading on over to Delaware after Delaware. They lost their top scorer from a season ago in Jameer Nelson Jr. And with Drumgoulet, I think that this is going to be a relatively solid fit. Defense needs a little bit of work, but he was able to supply about 15 and a half points per game. Actually began his career at Pittsburgh. Was a constant starter this last year, shooting about 34 and a half percent from three-point range. So we are seeing a lot of happenings on the front of the transfer portal. We're going to have a lot of NBA draft decisions. I know that Kobe Bufkin, about 24 hours ago, he decided that he was going to be entering into the NBA draft. So even though the games, they 
have stopped for right now in college basketball. The college basketball season never, ever ends. And I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a look at the futures market coming up next. If I were to play the futures market where I'd be looking right now and just a little bit of pointers for those of you guys that are going to be looking to dive into this market here in the offseason. That's up next right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today.
Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. With myself, Greggy Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We're going guest-free today. Most of the guests that we typically have on, they were watching the national title game while I was doing this podcast. So with that, just going to give you guys a little bit of a look at the futures market right now and sort of how I would be playing it because right now, if you're taking a look at the futures market, if you were to dive in today, you'd have your money tied up for more than 365 days. And the reason why is because this year's national title game was played actually a little bit earlier than what you typically find. Next year, I think that the title game is something like April 8th, I would like to say. It might be April 9th, but I think it's April 8th. So you'd be looking at having your money tied up for about 370 days, considering that next year is a leap year as well. And I feel like if you're trying to grab a team like Kentucky, for instance, right now at DraftKings is at 12 to 1. Even if you're able to get them only at like 11 to 1 in the back half of the offseason, like six months from now, if you are holding on to a Kentucky ticket at 12 to 1 as opposed to 11 to 1, that one unit that you'd be able to get extra on that Kentucky ticket, honestly, if you were to just be betting day in and day out for six months instead, I think that it honestly could be put to a little bit of better use. So the team's at the top of the board, and I'm going to read off the top six right now. Duke is 10 to 1. Kentucky's 12 to 1. UConn's 14 to 1. Marquette is 16 to 1. 16 to 1 is also Kansas. Purdue is 18 to 1. All other teams are 20 to 1 or greater, with the 20 to 1s being Alabama, Michigan State, Arizona, and UNC. I just don't think that there's a lot of value here because, once again, even if you get a little bit of a better number now, like say that you get Arizona at 20 to 1, they shrink to 18 to 1 prior to the beginning part of the season. If you were to bet it at 18 to 1 at the back half of the offseason, having that unit at your disposal for the next six to seven months honestly might be a little bit of a better use of it. So it's all about how much you want to be tying up money. And I personally am one that I don't want to have my money tied up for very long. Right now, if I were to take a look, at a preseason way too early, number one. I mean, UConn is going to be towards the top of it. Marquette, I just need to see them get a little bit more rebounding because they're probably going to be returning darn near everyone as long as they're able to get back Tyler Kolick and company. That's going to be a rock-solid team, but I always have fears with teams that they don't necessarily do a great job of rebounding. Kansas, they're going to be bringing quite a few guys back from a season ago. They're always very consistent, and I think we have found out just throughout the years that you do want to be banking on good coaching. I know that a lot of people were sour on Danny Hurley coming into the season, but I do think that he has turned the corner as a coach, and you're able to do that as a coach as well. Duke at 10-1, to I just cannot agree with it. Duke has an amazing recruiting class coming in, and John Shire proved this year that he can coach. I mean, he legitimately got jobbed in that game against Virginia in the regular season back half of it. That was really his lone loss going into the NCAA tournament over the final two months, so I mean, a little bit of credit where credit is due, but if I'm looking a little bit further down the list, these are the places that you're wanting to be going. You're wanting to take a look at a team that you're able to get at like north of 40 to 1 that prior to the start of the season, they're going to be like 30 to 1 or less. That makes your unit worth it. 
not necessarily grabbing a team at 12 to 1. It's like, oh, I got 12 to 1. And when in reality, I would have only gotten 11 to 1 nine months from now. That's, I think that this is where you want to be honing in. Like, right now, we're seeing a team like a Memphis at 70 to 1. They're going to be losing a lot of pieces, but you know that Penny Hardaway is going to be attacking the transfer portal. I think Penny Hardaway has gotten a little bit better as a coach. That's one where, among these long shots, I'd be honestly willing to consider it a little bit more. It's a lot of TBD with them. Villanova's a team I think is going to be back for blood. Things were just haywire in year number one or Kyle Neptune. They were playing much better towards the back half of last season. At 41, I think that you can make a reasonable case there, but you're still probably going to be able to get Villanova at darn near the same price towards the back half of the offseason because Villanova, not necessarily a team that is the transfer portal. So you do want to be taking a look at teams that they are going to be very active in the portal. Like Kansas State is currently 80 to 1. They're not going to have Marquise Noel back in the fold. I'm sure that Keontae Johnson is as good as gone as well. I'm going to be checking in on a lot of these guys' eligibility as well because that's so much of the battle with regards to taking a look at futures and it can be very convoluted. You do want to be checking the newswire with regards to this as well. I would almost consider handicapping the futures market in the offseason in college basketball much more like the NFL draft rather than just handicapping day in and day out college basketball and that you're looking for good slash bad information. Like, you don't need to know anything about the NFL in order to be taking a look at the NFL draft. You just need to be following guys like the mock draft gurus, Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, what have you, just the newswire in terms of trades, what you're hearing from local beat writers, and I sort of think that way when it comes to the futures market in college basketball, although obviously you do want to be handicapping this a little bit, and there's just a lot of variables that you're not going to be able to account for, because with the NCAA tournament, you need to win six games against six different opponents to be able to cut down the nets. There's no way whatsoever you're going to have any idea what Whatsoever of what like Maryland at 70 to 1 is going to be doing in the NCAA tournament. You don't know who their six opponents are going to be. It's just a very, very murky situation and you got to be trying your best. But I just take a look at some of these teams that are more in that neighborhood, about 100 to 1. Like I'm seeing Colorado. They are going to be picking up a guy in Eddie Lampkin to be able to help things out. You got someone like KJ Simpson who is banged up towards the back half of the season. He should be coming back in the fold. I don't think that that's necessarily the world's worst look because I think that with Colorado, there's no way that this gets worse than 100 to 1. And I could see this being one of those teams that they go from 100 to 1 with all the recent moves that they made, they go up to like 75 to 1. And then if they win a few games towards the beginning part of the season, they get sub 50 to 1. That's good value. If you're taking a look at the transfer. If you're taking a look at the futures market right now, a lot of it, it does reward itself to these folks that take longer odds and they're looking to hedge a little bit more towards the beginning part of the season because a lot of the best futures value that you do find is these teams that they are super hot coming into the start of the season. I mentioned the top few teams. Maybe you're taking a look at a team like Texas, for instance, who is currently at 25-1. to 1. They drop a few games early on because Texas, they seem to play some relatively brutal non-conference schedules. You're able to get them at like 35 to 1 after they start out like 2 and 2, something like that. I'm just throwing out their hypothetical. That's one you do want to be pouncing as well. But I do think that avoiding a lot of these top teams, it is very much 
something that I'd be interested in. And honestly, if you're looking to take a look at the futures market right now, just go with the teams that have been proving it recently. Like Houston is at 22 to 1. They made the Sweet 16 each other the last three years. I know that a lot of people like to poop on Gonzaga and say, oh, they've never won a title or anything like that. Gonzaga's made eight straight Sweet 16s. They're currently at 25 to 1. I recognize that they're going to be losing quite a few pieces, like Drew Timmy is going to be out of the fold, but you know that Gonzaga does a good job in the transfer portal. They never really bottom out. They're going to be able to get back to 25 plus wins just based on the conference that they play in. That's a nice little buy low. It's sort of like the stock market as well, for lack of a better term. So I do take a look at these sort of angles when it comes to those of you guys that do look at the futures market, and that's where I would be heading in. If I were to gauge a number one team right now, that's really, really tough to say the least. I wish I could give you guys a little bit of a better answer, but I would say don't bet on North Carolina 20 to 1 because there's going to be a lot of turmoil with that. I recognize Armando Baycoat is going to be back in the fold for the team, but it seems like there's going to be a lot of overhauls there, so I think that that's very interesting, but hopefully this was just a little bit informative as to how to play the futures market here this offseason, and all throughout the offseason, I'm going to be doing my best to get you guys information to be able to spot some of those teams that are going to be having value, and I'm going to get you guys up to date on all of it, and I'm going to be doing a conference preview for all 32 conferences this offseason. I've done it every offseason here on Coast to Coast Hoops. We are not going to be stopping this year. Those are going to be coming more towards like early June is typically when I started up because I do want to see where these guys are going to be landing in the transfer portal. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we have for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, maybe does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way is via an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. We're going to be back with guests on this podcast once again tomorrow. Probably going to give a little bit more of a look back at the national title game just because I had to do this one on the fly a little bit more, but I appreciate you guys tuning in all throughout the regular season during the college basketball season. I recognize that some of you guys might be listening a bit more to the baseball betting show now because it's a little bit more day-to-day action, but whether you listen to this podcast zero times during the offseason or every single day, I will be with you guys every single day whenever you need me. We are going to do our absolute best to make the 2023-24 season now as profitable as humanly possible. I just appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hannah Storm and my new podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm chronicles my six decades in professional basketball from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.